And so I'm asked this question of like, is it emotionalism? And I think like you just said something that really hit me of like, you have to shut something off in your heart to look at young people in a generation that you call lost in a generation that you call all of these negative things. And now they're worshiping and you still find something to be critical about. Right. Jess, why do you seem nervous? I don't feel nervous. Do I seem nervous? Yeah, you do. It's probably because I have pumped literally four bottles of electrolytes and I'm a little jittery. Is that is that a good way to film a podcast? Jittery? Probably not, but I was afraid. Sometimes when I get dehydrated, I get migraines. So I was like, we better we better go after it. So I did. I have a busy day. Is that what made you forget your head covering? Um, that would be a stark theological difference that you and I have. Okay, so what's your theology on women in ministry i posted a uh post about a week ago i think jew like a week ago and it said hold on just so people understand jew is not the ethereal uh, nation of israel not like a random cloud though sometimes never mind um we Uh, posted on our ministry because we have a ministry for young women who are ministers okay so we did like a joint post and i said it is disturbing that many churches will trust a woman to lead in the prayer room, but don't trust them to lead from the pulpit. Okay. The responses were quite hysterical to me because many of them were like, that's not what the Bible says. And I wouldn't be shocked that that was the response that I got. I guess what was shocking was the amount of people that are literally following a ministry to raise up young women ministers and then their responses. That's not the really. So give me some of the responses. Most of them were just quoting Timothy Corinthians. Mm -hmm. Like that's not what the Bible says and quoting the verses and saying like, Hey, you're living in an alternate reality where you think this is biblical. Uh, So you would be a complimentarian. Um, yeah, that would be your stance. <laughs> First of all, Josh, my son yeah. told me you were nervous. Why? I don't know. That's what he said. He said, Jess told me she was nervous to come on your podcast. I never told. Okay. Let's put some actually <laughs> Joshua. Let's put some context to this. I said, your dad is probably going to ask me very controversial no, questions no, no. and want me to take a stark theological stance. And this is basically going to be like being on an interview with someone who wants to trap me in my words. No, 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 no. no. Is that how you think of me? No, I was teasing him. How long have we been ro- rolling together? I was Jess? teasing um, quite a few years now. Okay. Do you remember how it started? Mm-mm. I don't. remember it starting with your wife. I don't remember it. Yeah, it started with my wife. Yeah. And fa- uh, all facts on the table. I yeah. was like, babe, don't hang out with her. She's a mess. She has never told me that. Really? Yeah. I actually said some other things, but uh, I didn't know who you were. Wow. I, I just remember like showing up to this my driveway. This is be like the come clean room. Yeah, let's do it. Now what this is going to be. Uh, and then we'll, we can get back to complementarianism. Yeah, tell me. I remember that. driving up and like you and my wife were sitting in a car together. And you were talking, which Moosey loves people. Right. And uh, yeah, she's pretty great. And and then like, it was like the next day. And then like a couple days later, and I was like, Moose, what are you doing? Like spending time with this like Psycho. Bethel girl. Yeah. Are you a Bethel girl, by the way? Uh, I was actually Iris before I was Bethel. Really? Yeah. 
Well, I say I was adopted into Iris because I never did harvest school, but I served at y'all's bases in some of y'all's tougher bases, Sudan, Congo, places like that. Really? Yeah. I didn't know this. You don't know a lot of my Iris story, which is quite humorous to me. I, I don't. And I've never asked either. <laughs> I never felt the need to share. So. <laughs> Listen, let me say hi. Hey, everybody. Uh, <laughs> welcome back. This is, uh, we are here today uh, with my good friend, Jessica Tate. Learning a lot about each other. Yeah, we're going to learn a lot about each other, which we've never had this conversation no, we before. Uh, I've known Jess for about, it's been about five years, I think, give or take no, a year. Seven or eight now. Seven or eight. With Gosh. your wife, for sure. But yes. Yeah. Uh, great, great friend of my wife. Which doesn't mean that we're not great friends. Great, right. great friend of my, my myself personally. Uh, Jess uh, runs a ministry called. I'm going to get Ye- it wrong. Yielded Ministries. Yielded. Gosh, mm-hmm. I want to say Gilded, but yeah, that's no, totally different. Yielded's way better. Uh, Yielded Ministries, and uh, Jess is phenomenal. She travels the world, teaches, preaches, does missions, raises up uh, young women into ministry. But I, I actually wouldn't pigeonhole you just in that at all. That like kind of you think we we have done se- <laughs> seminary together at yeah, the same time. We have. Uh, uh, we, I, we didn't have I, any classes I think together. I graduated. Though. Did you? And uh, <laughs> and Jess Jess is uh, Jess is an amazing amazing friend. Um, I love I love Jess. Yeah, we love you massively. Thank you. Love and you uh, there's few people. I will say this. There's few people in my life that have carp carp blanc access to my family and Jess is is one of them and when I say there's few there's actually very very few so Jess is one of them uh I I don't there's many days where I will come into my living room and Jess is there uh eating my food actually you don't really eat my food I bring my Um, own food usually uh but but hanging out with my kids uh spending time with my wife uh what started off as a weird me driving up and seeing you and my wife like hanging out in a car I want to hear the rest Uh, of the story (laughs) I'm super intrigued now. I literally told Moosey that. Yeah. That I was weird. Yeah. That I was a weird. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about that. I was like, stay away. Can I hear more about that? Can I interview you about this? Sure. Now? Go for I'm, it. I'm quite intrigued. Well, what was the initial impression? Cause so my story with your wife is very much that she was there for me in a very hard time. Okay. And, and then I just fell in love mainly with your kids and they were amazing. And <laughs> And yeah, like your wife was a, a rare person at the time who was very blunt with me. And I, I loved it. I was really grateful for it. My wife, Moosey, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, she she's loves she loves fixing things. Yeah, she does. I don't know if she's the best fixer, Watch what you but say. she loves <laughs> fixing things. She does. And so she kind of took you on yeah. as a little fixing, yeah. fixing yeah, thing. I needed it. Like I needed it at the time. What did she give you that you weren't getting from all the other leaders speaking into your life? Well, just being super honest. Like I had, I had come off the mission field. I'd had a crash, like crazy story. I was coming out of it and I was kind of like, I'm done with this community aspect of things. I'm done with, uh, having leaders in my life even because I had been pretty hurt and your wife basically just sat me down and was like, you're an idiot. And I'll never forget the first conversation with her. Like I didn't know her. A mutual friend like introduced us. You're right. Like she took me on. She's like, come over, let's talk. Yeah. And she just looked at me and she was like, you will crash and burn. You have no friends. And I was like, oh my God, like you don't even know me. Um, but I had been living in Reading for a little over a year and a half and like kept everyone at mm-hmm. a distance because I was pretty hurt. 
And your wife just started challenging me. Like she literally just started challenging me. Like just pick Welcome. somebody and go to coffee and, and Welcome was, to my world. Yeah. Um, I live I live. I, I think it would life. be more difficult to live with than it is it's to incredible. visit from time to time. <laughs> but I like I needed it. She was what I needed. And then I and mm. then I just fell in love with your your family and yeah. yeah. And and we moved out to Tennessee. Right. You moved I, out to Tennessee. I followed. I was like, where are the hearts going? God, that's so no, weird. No, that's not what no, happened at all. No, it's not at all. No. What I, brought you out to Tennessee? Um, I was living in Brazil. I had started praying. I don't think I've ever told you this story. I'd started praying about where to move. I was offered some like really great jobs. One, like a six-figure ministry job mm -hmm. in another location, um, different things like that. And I just like kept telling the Lord, I was like, I want to be with my people. Yeah. And um, you guys were moving here super close with y'all. My spiritual mom, Joe Moody yep. was moving here Love at the Joe. same time. Um, there were three or four people that I've been friends with, uh, in previous seasons that were all here. And I am in Texas going into a restaurant and a man yells out, I've never told you this. He was like, I need you to buy me a property in Franklin, Tennessee. Yells out publicly. Yells, in a restaurant? It was so it was right outside of the restaurant. And I turned and I thought he was talking to me cause there was no one else around. And I was like, what? And he was like, not you. <laughs> so he was talking to somebody behind me, but yeah. I was like, how creepy is it? I had yeah. literally been praying. Like, do I move to Franklin? Do I take one of these jobs? I had nothing here, no job yeah. offer, no like, so it was going to be like really jumping out of the boat to say, I'm going to go full time into yielded the ministry. I yeah. run itinerate again, which I wasn't sure I wanted to do. Um, but just to prioritize community and I love it. Yeah. Like it's been a great decision. So so my wife spent time with you. Yeah. I do want to say that you had a lot of people speaking into your life. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So she was a, a piece of that. Yeah, she was. And yeah. you said you, you were burnt out yeah. from what? Uh, so I had been in DR Congo during a super rough season of war in 2000. I can't remember if it was 13 or 14 because we're getting old. Um, and it was brutal. So we there were just four of us girls on the mission field at the time went through nightly raids, had people, we were held at gunpoint. We had people, you know, surround our cars. It was just crazy. It was an insane time. Came home, got PTSD. Okay. PTSD. Yeah. Listen, yeah. So I'm going to talk let's, about that. Let, just for a second. Okay. Okay. Right. Uh, cause I think, I think it's a, I think it's a good topic. Okay. Let's do it. Um, so you got PTSD from what? Yeah. So, you know, therapists would say different things, but um, probably like years of not really knowing how to deal with a lot of the stuff I'd seen, like coupled with a reality of a really brutal time of, of war and trauma. So there were just people we knew and loved that were shot and killed. Yeah. There was, you know, near death experiences, multiple ones in a very short amount of time. There were nights laying in our bed, not sure if we were going to make it through the night. Um, and yeah, so came home, started with nightmares it, it just, it literally snowballed into this mess that I look back on and I'm like, how the frick did that amount of things happen in such a short amount of time? Ended up suicidal and crazy and moved to Bethel. So yeah, that's okay. the 30 second version. So you moved to Bethel. Yeah. Is that when you, we met? Yeah. So I had like, actually your wife went to Congo mm -hmm. on a trip that I was supposed to be on. 
uh, mutual friends of ours. And I was sick during that time. And literally uh, the girl who ran the ministry was like, yeah, you're not going back. Like you need some help. And, and I did. Okay. And so that was the condition I moved out in. So then um, I was introduced to Moosey when you guys moved out. And then that's kind of how that. Okay. So you um, weren't there with her no, on that trip. No, I was supposed to be, but didn't. Just, let me give people just a two second version of this, yeah. of this trip. So Moosey and I were not doing good right. in our relationship. And yeah. she, I was like, she was like, I need a break basically. Yeah. Not, she was like, I need to go and like get my heart right. Right. And I was like, yeah, you do. Uh, no, I, <laughs> okay, I need to saved. get my heart right too. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, I'll, I'll fly you anywhere. She's yeah. like, I'm going to go to the Congo. I was like, I won't fly you there because right. the Congo is one of the most dangerous nations in the world. Right. And uh, she went on a trip. And really was impacted there on yeah. that trip. And that was her second or third trip to the Congo. I think it was her second trip yeah. to the Congo. Um, so you weren't there. No. But you knew about her. So right. when when you come back to Reading, we you're connected. struggling from Congo. You connected. Yeah. And yeah. are you still struggling with PTSD? Now? Yeah. No, I was healed. So that um, actually, even when you're, I met your wife, I'd already been healed. I was in Bethel for a few months. Girl dances around me. Bethel TV's done the testimony, right? Where do they find it? If they want like the uh, I full. I think it's on like Bethel TV's YouTube or okay. something like that. I don't remember what it's called or anything like that, but yeah. So you had this moment of in, yeah. of encounter, yeah. right? Yeah. Where it broke. Walk us through that story uh, if as yeah. quickly as possible. They can watch the full yeah. video, but I, just to get a little I, bit of your background. I literally, people moved to Bethel and they're like, this is my dream come true. And I was like, this is my nightmare. Mm -hmm. I would go in um, and have like anxiety attacks. Like people were getting healed. I've told you the story before of like, I remember a guy's eye getting healed and me being like, come on, Lord, like I'm going to die. He can live without an eye, like super hard, super judgmental at the time, super not having any of it, hated it. And a girl tells me she has a dream where I'm going to this house where they do worship. Mm. And, um, I started going, I loved it. There was just peace while I was there. And then one of the weeks, this German girl comes over to me and she's like, the Lord told me to dance around you. And I was like, this is the worst idea I've ever heard. And <laughs> I hate it. And I don't want to do it. Why? But um, why do I not want to do it? Yeah. Like, what What do you hate about that? Because, like, I think there's a lot of people on our stream that be like, yes, that's well, the Lord. First off, like, I was charismatic, but mm -hmm. I felt like I had some boundaries, you know? Yeah. And, like, it was very much like I had no healthy, holy picture of, like, what it meant to dance around somebody. Um, my, like, if somebody said, said that to me, yeah. I'd be like, it, that's like, cringe, right? Yeah. And so I think also, I think the worst idea in the world is to take somebody with anxiety mm -hmm. and say, let me put you in the middle of the room and you can be the center of attention. Yeah. Um, and so it was all of these things all happening. And one, and part of me was like, you're ruining the only thing I have every week that I look forward to. Just leave me alone. Like, let me sit in my little corner yeah. with my coffee and yeah. my journal yeah. and leave me alone. So there was a lot of reasons. Um, I think honestly, just being somewhat of a polite person at times, I was like, okay, sure. But I, I hated it. Like I, I remember vividly sitting there and just going, Lord, please just make her hurry up. Like, I hate this. Like, please just make it go fast. And then she so you didn't want this. You didn't like no, it. Hated it. Had no faith. Okay. No correlation in my brain of like, I might get healed. This is my right. moment. Nothing. Um, I just went to the middle, put my head down, started praying for it to go and she starts dancing. And within like 15, 20 seconds, I remember feeling like heat go through my back. I remember like weights, like it felt like heaviness was coming off. I fell to the floor. I start just weeping. 
um, people don't like this part of the story, but like, I feel like a claw, like literally felt something that was like attached to me, like rip off. And I just lost it. I started weeping uncontrollably. And then I still didn't really realize that I was healed. Yeah. Like I just felt like I had an encounter with the Lord. So. Okay. And yeah. this girl, from what I can remember, yeah. she was not like some no. professional. No, her story's so great. Like she's probably my favorite part of the story. <laughs> she, she had never danced before ever. She just heard the Lord say, go dance over that girl. And she was just radically obedient to do it. She now has a dance ministry, but she had never done anything like it before. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. So she's amazing. Can you match that up biblically for Uh, somebody who's like, that sounds nuts. I think we have numerous, like, so this is something I teach on a lot now, Mm -hmm. actually, because I think we have numerous stories. We, I had come from a background. I'm not hating on it. I learned a lot where it's like, come forward, get in the line, touch them on the head. Everybody falls down. Woo. Yep. You don't see that biblically. Like actually creative healing is more biblical than the way we do it in church, right? So you've got Jesus being like, go dunk yourself seven times. You have him spitting on dirt, putting it on somebody's eyes. You've got him saying, stretch out your hands. I mean, you have all of these examples of what I would consider creative healing. Right. And we've kind of uh, tamed that in the church. And now we're like, no, come forward. I'll touch you on the head. I'm not against those things. Like I understand some of the reasons why we do them. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of like taking risk and healing. So yeah, I think, I think what she did is way more biblical than some of what we yeah. do in church. I, I, I look at it very similarly. All of these crazy, what someone might call crazy, right? right. It's really an act of obedience. Yeah, for sure. You know, lowering, lowering the, the guy the, through the, the roof, f- the, the friends paralytic. who lower. Right. Yeah. Like if you actually think about that, that's nuts. Yeah. If somebody started doing that right chiseling now. a hole in my ceiling like right. we would call the cops right and and their hunger and their obedience did it and i love i love it because she says you know the faith of your yeah. friends has healed you it yeah. wasn't even his faith yeah in that moment also imagine like i think about this often and and there's such i'm gonna get in trouble for this i know i'm going to get in trouble for this but there's such a tension for me like he was preaching a sermon mm-hmm. for lack of a better oh, yeah. term and they interrupted like that person now in a church, like security would have them out in five seconds. Mm. And, and yet the Lord's like, that's faith. And it wasn't even his. No. It was the friends. It's the friends. So it, I mean, it messes with me as a speaker yeah. sometimes about what I let, um, I, I, I don't, I, I want to be careful with terminology because I'm also not for somebody running up and like, ah, you know? Um, but I think sometimes we shut down things a little fast, um, because we're threatened by them. It, I think it's not orderly, right? As most of the church, right, would prefer it to understand. Be. Like women preaching. Whoa. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. let's let's talk about it. Okay, what do you want to talk about? Well, the let, let of me it? just no. Let me. I think I think this is actually something that people do need to talk about. Okay, let's do it. And I think number one, if anybody knows me, yeah, I I love women. <laughs> I love the ladies. Uh, no, I, I, I love women preachers. I love right. women speakers. Your, I serve your boss, Heidi. Right. I, I've done whatever I can. Honestly, uh, if if I see the, the Lord on anybody, right. I don't you, care who they are, what they are. Me many times. I, right, because I believe in the call. Right. But I've never had to face the backlash that right. you have to face. I mean, we get different backlash. Right. But what is that like? 
oh, I'm the worst to ask about this. Like we've talked about this some, I feel more backlash as a single woman than I feel as a woman. So that's a whole other, sorry to open that. that Go for it. Um, No, I think men feel safer with a married woman, understandably, like I get it. Um, So I think a lot of the limitations that I've felt in ministry have been a lot more because I'm single than because I'm a woman. The backlash I get as a woman, like to be honest, most of those are from crowds I don't really run with anyway. So most of the people in my world champion and support me, you know, like my friends, leaders, things like that. And I'm, I'm not an anomaly in those crowds at all. Um, whereas maybe some people who would be, uh, more critical of what I choose to do, I'm trying to choose my words carefully Mm. here. Um, they typically, they just have a totally different theological background. So they're going to bash me because I'm a woman, but they're also going to bash me because I believe in healing. They're also going to bash me because I let somebody shake on the floor. Like they're going to, pick apart everything about what I believe. So right. the woman thing is just another one on the list. Whereas in our circle, people tend to be more supportive of me. Okay. So let's say you had one of those bashers, yeah. right? Yeah. Sitting here and yeah. he brought up Paul. Right. What, what would be your response? I would throw Craig Keener's book at him. Okay. I'm, I'm kidding. No, like no. I, I actually would agree. Yeah, no. So I'm reading Keener's book yep. right now and I'm loving T- just it. Just so because people have no idea. Right. I don't want to right. talk past people. Right. You want, not, well, not that you don't don't know who Craig you is. You want me to speak highly? Of no, no. Craig I want I want you like uh, explain who Craig is. You know, I secretly love him. He yes. was with me when I met him for the first time, and I definitely freaked out, <laughs> nerded out a little bit. Who is Craig Keener? Craig and- Keener is a I would consider him a charismatic theologian, though he might not necessarily identify himself yeah. that way. Um, he is a continuous continuationist. Yep. He is a professor at Asbury Theological Seminary. Um, continuationist believes that the gifts are still gifts for today. Are still going. Cessationist believes yeah, that they shut down the apostles. He's a theologian that is a large supporter of women, uh-huh. um, which you don't find tons. So um, I really, yeah, I was put onto his work several years ago, and I've read most of his stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love it. So, I mean, his whole position, and I, I tend to agree. Go he's ahead. also like a juggernaut. So he's yeah. not just like, because I think uh, we, you you and I are, you and I are actually really, really similar, but which I think is what scares my wife, which we argue a lot, which, which. Yeah, also makes sense. Totally, totally right. makes sense. But, but uh, you can find anybody that'll say anything that'll agree with what you For sure. want, right? So, and, and I would say, as we're talking about Craig and many, yeah. of, there's actually more than one yeah. really well-known theologian that that has a really great argument for right. explaining right. Um, why Paul says right. women should be silent in church. And then why Craig's like, actually, no, right. that doesn't, that's not yeah. what it means. Craig is a juggernaut. Yeah. Like he is, he's a champion. He, he's I even would, scholars that disagree with him yeah. on everything, respect him for yeah. his work and his life. So we're not just talking about like finding somebody that meets what I yeah. very inappropriately say that he's my theological crush. I feel like these guys over here are, are like bored by this conversation, but we love it. I love this. Um, if I, you like it, let us know. Yeah. I, yeah, I say he's my theological crush. Um, so what's his argument? So, I mean, essentially like, and he, I don't think it's good that you say the, a married man is your theological yeah, crush. I know but. it's probably inappropriate. I also said that <laughs> I also said that Blind Bartimaeus was my spiritual boyfriend, and I got oh, some gosh. great feedback. See, this feedback is why, and this is why, and that's why he told no. her wife not to hang out with me. <laughs> which we are going to talk about that, whether it's on camera or oh, off it'll camera. Be both. We're going to talk well, about. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, to to 
to, I don't want to say dumb it down, but to reduce it down into like a 10 second statement. Mm -hmm. He basically says it's context. So um, I was just reading a, like, I think yesterday morning, actually uh, specifically about the Timothy passage. And he's saying, okay, like Paul is dealing with Timothy with false preachers, yep. right? You've got all of these false preachers going on. Women were predominantly unlearned in the law, theology, scripture. And so they were easily manipulated. And so what was happening was these false teachers were teaching women certain things, and then they were going and repeating the false teaching. And so he was essentially saying, for right now, while you are unlearned, like these women should not be speaking. And then in the very next verse, like he actually says, but teach them, like actually teach them. And so Keener, which I just love it. Keener was like, actually, you could almost turn this around and say this is a verse pro for women preaching because he's saying, teach these women. He's saying, don't let them continue to be ignorant teach them the truth, and then long-term plan, in Keener's opinion, is eventually there will be preachers. And it's hard to argue that perspective when you realize that there were women prophets, there were women apostles, yep. and Paul affirmed them in other parts of scripture. Okay. So context in this position. You're speaking of Junia? Yes. Okay. Right. So in this, in this specific moment, he's dealing with an issue that he's having Timothy address in this region at this place where this was going on. And he's saying, and this is how I want you to deal with it. Right. So he wasn't saying, Hey, women should never do this. In fact, almost the opposite where he's going, Hey, teach them. Like, let's not let them continue to be ignorant. Let's teach them so that they can go on and become profitable members of the body of Christ. So I get slightly irritated because I feel like one of my favorite Keener works is his paper on context. I told you about it. Yep. I love it. I obsess over it. I quote him all the time in the specific paper. I think what we often do with scripture is we take this verse and I'm sure I know that I've been guilty of it many times. Yeah. We take this verse and we just go, this is what it means. Face value, zero background research, zero context. And we yeah. go, now this is a principle that I'm going to apply across the board. And it just, scripture doesn't work that way. Yeah. So for me, uh, I love Keener's stance, but yeah. there's also a heart that I think the church, and this is something that I've actually walked through myself. Yeah. Like legitimately. Yeah. Well, I remember some of our early day conversations about this topic. You do? Yeah. Why? Uh, because I, I, I feel like it was probably the first argument we ever had was about this. We've right. had so many. I can't oh, believe yeah. you remember them. Uh, no, like I think, I think for me, when I first got saved, I read all the things and yeah. I, it, like, I kind of took everything at face value. Yeah. You know, uh, Dylan, Dylan said good morning to me this morning. He didn't greet me with a heavenly kiss. Right. right? So we, we do pick and choose right. which, but some mornings, some, some mornings, yeah. just not this morning. Yeah. And it's usually on the forehead. Right. Yeah. Just not right. this morning. Thanks Dylan. Love you, buddy. Uh, it's just the beard. It yeah. freaks me out. Um, <laughs> We do, we do pick and choose, right? But I think, I think there's a premise here, just 30,000 foot view um, that really puts women in a subservient category. And I don't see that biblically. We are all made in his image. Like, sure. I just think that number one is, we need to just pause, right? Yeah. So even, even if you are reading those verses, uh, there is no difference, right. right? We are all made in his likeness and his image. There is a difference, I think, in roles and responsibilities, which I think is beautiful. Right. And one doesn't make it better than the worst. And I, I, that's something that when we read a lot about uh, maybe the church history and where women should be and shouldn't be, 
it, it is looked at as a as a different role or a lower or lesser role. Yeah. And I think that's very, very, very dangerous, especially sure. if you've met my wife, right? Like right. or any like they can Strong do things Latino that woman. men can't right. do. Right. Right. So I think coming at it as like a lesser is insanity. Yeah. My wife can She's incredible. Create right. life right. with her body right. <laughs> and mine. And, right. uh, you know, like she can, right. like there's something like I can't do that. I think that's probably one of the greatest gifts God has given humanity. Right. It, we, every person that argues against women right. came from one. I also go like, <laughs> listen, like Jesus, God could have chosen anyone, any way to bring his son. He chose teenage girl potentially i don't know her age but most scholars 14 13 to 16 right um and he said that's the one that i'm going to pour out literally the savior of the world yeah into her and i got a 15 year old i don't know what mary was (laughs) like uh for the for the creator of the universe stop say like that's the one but he chose a a a A woman not just a woman like a young woman yeah for sure um to pour out his spirit, when he first rose, he appeared to right. women. He didn't appear to the apostles. He yeah. appeared to yeah. the ladies. Like, so I think, I think, I think that when people approach this conversation, they need to look at it at, from a larger scale. And, and most of the church, I think that's taken a stance against women. They really, they need to look at their biblical view of women before they yeah. look at and trying to interpret what Paul says. Yeah. Even in missions, I, I, don't quote me on these numbers, but last time I read, I think it was 70, 75% of all missionaries are women. Yeah. And I, I think the church likes to pick and choose that. You can do this, but you, you can, can't do you that. can do Sunday school. Right. Uh, you can't, you can't speak. Right. Right. But we'll send you to go and die and give your life away for the sake for of the gospel. Sure and support you to go and do those things, which I would say is one of the most important jobs and roles in the church. 75% women do that. We can't. Great commission. It's kind of important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree with you. The, I, I'm shocked those words just came out of my mouth. I agree with you 100%. Yes. Can I just. No, that's I'm gonna it. Flip, I'm going to flip this. We're ending it. Because here's one thing. Actually, if I can say in all reality, what I am more passionate about um, than saying like, equality for women. I'm more passionate about saying, Hey women, how do we respond to this? Because of this, um, I see a very ungodly response of women to what they feel like is persecution or, um, yeah, just what, what would be considered like a a bias in ministry. Right. And so I think what ends up happening to a lot of women is they get super bitter. They get hard they start making statements that are ludicrous, like, um, well, we should just set men down and they shouldn't be allowed to preach anymore, which I'm like, that's... I never heard that. Get Who around, are you get rolling around some of the with? Women. Get around some of the women. Um, yeah, like, it's it, it's almost this feminist infiltration of the church. And, and I'm so not for that. Um, and part of that is, like, I always tell the joke, like, when I get married, I want my husband to open the door for me. <laughs> like, I want him to put gas in the car. Yeah. Like, I want I want a man to take care of me, right? I'm not married, but, like, that is that is what I want. And so this idea of a feminist approach to it is, like, no, we put men down. We're just as strong as men. We're this. And I'm like, no, no, we're complementary. Like, mm-hmm. men are great. They're amazing. I love men. I'm so thankful for them. 
Um, I have a great father that has like shown me how to be treated as a woman. It's part of the reason I am such a strong woman, you know? So I think we have to teach young women as well as men. But right. my role with young women is it's not put men down. It's understand that you have strengths, they have strengths. We have weaknesses, they have weaknesses. Yep. And the best thing you can do is not put men down. It's just step into the fullness of who God's called you to be. So where do you think this mindset's come? Do you think it's, oh God, I don't know if this is the, uh, okay, number, I want to get, can I just right. give a little context? Yeah. So for the, all of you guys watching, the reason why I created Green Room originally was, was these are the conversations we were having in the Green, green Room yeah. at, com at conferences. Yeah. So like just... If, if you're listening to this and be like, this stance or this, listen, we're having a conversation and just like many of you guys are, we're still working through this stuff. So much. But this is where we're at today. Yeah. So this isn't like question and answer. This is question and response. I might ask you to take this down in a couple of years. Okay. Yeah. And I might ask you to put it back up. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. So just chill if, you, yeah, if you're worried. Down. Okay. I think, and let me like preface that, I think, right? Yep. Like currently my opinion is... Um, culture is taking a sway, right? Um, feminism is on the rise in culture outside of the church. And historically, whether we like it or not, what's happening in culture often influences the church. Yes. And so what I'm seeing with women is almost this like, I wouldn't say like burn our bras feminism, but very much this like, it's my time now. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of great prophetic words on like what God wants to do through women in this season. I believe them. I'm on board with it, right? Creating a whole ministry around that. But what I don't want to see happen is we sway ourselves the other direction and we feel like it's our job to like beat men down, not respect and honor who they are as leaders. Um, start not acknowledging our own weaknesses because that's something like I look at, I've, I've had leaders tell me early in ministry if you want to be a leader, stop crying in front of men. So if you told, really, oh, hundred percent. I could tell you stories. I will I bet, not I say names no, on we'll camera, that. but yeah. I will. Yeah. Um, I've had I've had people tell me like you shouldn't yell um, because that's not ladylike. In fact, somebody put that on my Instagram yesterday. <laughs> like I posted a, a a thing, and they're like, "Content's great, but why do you have to yell so much?" And like that's just me. Like I get passionate. I scream. Yeah. I you know like it's not me trying to fake anything. It's just who I am. I get excited. Um, I would say you're not yelling. I would say you're passionate. Thank and you. I, that's, yeah. Yeah, I do. I get super passionate yeah. preaching the word. I love it. So yeah, like there were a lot of instructions to me in my early days as a leader of like, basically, if you want to be a good leader, you're going to have to make yourself more like a man in some ways. And, and like this, this is the way that you need to be, or, um, you know, yeah, I'm not going to say what, what went through my head. So yeah, I think, I'm trying to help women realize like, it's not about you not crying, but it is about you realizing like what some of our hindrances, weaknesses, strengths, things are compared to a man understanding like, what has God actually asked you to do? Be that you don't have to change. Like you don't have to be something else. You don't have to put on the heels. Like I preach barefoot most of the time. Cause that's what I'm most yeah. comfortable with. Um, I get knocked on that all the time. Really? <laughs> what do you think happens when I don't know? Preach? I've I've preached barefoot a but lot. Has no, okay, let me let me ask this question. Has sure. no one ever criticized you for wearing jeans and a t-shirt? Not to my face. 
Oh my gosh. I mean, maybe days ago, like years, years and ago. years ago when I first started. Yeah. I, so I would say yeah. I equally to my face. I, <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, like to my f- face, I've equally gotten criticism and, <laughs> and praise. Like there have right. been usually women who are like, thanks so much. Being in a service with you has released me mm-hmm. in a way I've not felt released before. Um, but I've also very much had the like, Hey, yeah. Could you just put on some shoes, which I'm fine respecting that. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is like, well, you know me, I go yeah. in and my goal is to serve. Yeah. Right. And so right. whatever the, whatever the culture of the house is right. within reason, yeah. you know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go and do whatever I can yeah. to serve. I did get credit criticized for wearing yoga pants once. You wore yoga no, pants No, I'm just kidding. Once? I was like, I might've criticized you for that too. Well, actually tell me about that. Cause yeah, I see that a lot. The criticism, in worship, the yoga pants? In worship. Oh, like I'm, I'm and I do so, have a problem with that. Yeah. See, we're a little bit different in that. Like I came from, I, I'm a spiritual mutt, right? Like I was saved in a Baptist church, went to mm. a Methodist ministry and university first hired at a word of faith church. Like I have kind of made the rounds in the different denominational. So I'm just pretty chill. Like yeah. the first job that I was in, I had to wear a skirt and closed toed shoes while I was working in the office versus then going to Bethel and people are preaching in sweatshirts. I'm really fine. And I'm also fine with meeting whatever requirements makes a leader feel most comfortable. Like if you want me to wear a dress, I have no problem wearing a dress. Um, If that is going to be a point of hindrance from me being able to do the thing I'm called to do, it's just not worth sticking to for me at the same time. Like when I'm a bunch of um, around a bunch of teenagers, like I wear my Nike air force ones. I could care less. I I don't care about you. See me most days. Like I wear jeans and a sweatshirt and my sandals. I'm happy. Um, but I'll do that because if that makes them a little more receptive to me, then it's fine. I'll, I'll do it. So I don't have any problem. Like I'm kind of like, we've been in Africa where people have nothing and there's holes and I'm like, Oh, you're great. And you can come and somebody where we were just at a word of faith meeting where it was like, if you're not wearing your your dress, like, and I, and please don't come in. I was actually going to go. Yeah. Uh, We flights got canceled and stuff, but like. I would have worn my my scorecard. Right. So like I genuinely, I have no problem. Like whoever's leading that house, that's their responsibility. Whatever culture they want to set or they feel comfortable with. And I'm I'm fine. I I genuinely don't get bothered by that. What are are there? What stuff do you get bothered by? Oh, that's a good question. I honestly don't know if I've ever thought about it. I'm sure people who run with me would have an easier time telling you (laughs) she gets bothered by this and this and this. I I feel like I'm a decently chill person. Um, Man, I can't remember. That's fine. You don't need to. I can't think of anything. Okay. So off the top of my head, just because of time. Yeah. Right. So you, I know we didn't go into like the theology behind. Right. uh, Thanks for that. uh, Complementarianism. Right. But there's actually, yeah. I would encourage you, um, listen to Craig Keener. Remnant Radio has an amazing, yeah. uh, they did a two or three part series. Remnant Radio is a theological podcast yeah. uh, on complementarianism. Yeah. And they did like three or four episodes on it. It really is fantastic. And it's not one side or the other. It's a really, it's a beautiful right. dive into both sides, hearing all the points. We're not going to cover that now. Um, but I would encourage you all to go check it out. My buddy, so much jo- my buddy, stuff. Josh at Rem- remnant radio, uh, yeah. Craig Keener. What's the book? If somebody, uh, I think it's women, pre- preachers, women, pastors, and wives, I think, or something yeah. like that. Amazing yeah. book. Yeah. It's so a- great. And, uh, actually I haven't read it fully. It, it's, I've, I've listened to a lot of his messages on approval. Yeah. I love it. Uh, check it out. Um, so yeah, you have, you're running this ministry right now. Yeah. You're raising up women. 
That's the plan. Well, both. Like, so we, we do missions. Women, that's the plan. Right. Both. That's the plan. Both. We do missions. Yep. So we have a missions organization. Mm-hmm. We have a couple places in South America. We're set up to open two more this year. Uh, we do mission schools, everything about going out to the nations. Probably shouldn't put that plug while we're on an Iris podcast, but uh, no, I love fine. Iris. I we, we love Iris. Listen. The- um, big supporter of Iris, actually. So yeah, then, and just this last year, the Lord started speaking to me about women. To be honest with you, like my initial response was, please God, no. Like, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to be the like pro woman girl. Um, and now that's kind of what we're doing. So there you I, go. It's, I always tried to stay away from being pigeon, pigeonholed yeah, into for sure. a specific ministry. Yeah. Like when I was rolling with Randy, he was healing and I would right. just get healed, you know, called in to go into healing go meetings healing, or, sure. you know, and now yeah. I do a lot of stuff, missions. Like I really did my best not to let anybody put a category on. I think you've done a me. good job of that. I don't know. But it's fine. It, how do you navigate people trying to put you in as, do you ever feel like you're brought in as the token? Yeah. After I was healed, like when I was healed of PTSD, like I was the trauma healing girl. And, you know, I've talked with one of our dear friends that runs a ministry working with PTSD. And that's like 100% what he wants to be doing. Yeah. He loves it. He's like, yeah, I'm the trauma guy. I was like, oh my gosh, I hated it so much. Previous to that, I was the missions girl and like I went into war zones and it was like, Hey, you're the missions girl. Um, I've started doing a lot more with Randy and I get these calls and it's like, you're the healing girl. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) um, so I feel like we, we do that. Like the church does that in nature. I just don't let it bother me too much. I just try to just do what the Lord's telling me to do. So yeah, I didn't, the women thing was a little bit harder for me because to be honest, I've never really liked traditional women's ministry. I don't like cheesy. I don't like a lot of that that we've seen in women's ministry. And so it was like, okay, I don't mind doing the healing. I don't mind doing the trauma. I don't mind doing the missions. Like, please, God, just not just women, you know? And like I said, like, I really believe in in both genders. So it's hard for me to go, I'm going to spend this season just ministering to women. But yeah, like, it's fine. I don't, it, do, it doesn't bother me. Did you say you believe in both genders? I believe in both genders too. Can I say that specifically? Because I feel want. like in this day and age, that should say whatever be you want, girl. Thank you. <laughs> two genders. I believe in two genders. Um, yeah, I I just don't like the idea. And we've you've said this. Like I, you don't love the idea of like we're just targeting young people or we're yeah. just targeting whatever. But it's what the Lord said to do. So I'm fine with that. So you're specifically targeting young, young female ministers. <laughs> you're doing an amazing job. Jew Jew we're is sitting trying. over there. Yeah. Uh, uh, and when I say Jew, I'm not yeah, talking about the ethereal uh, myth. Yeah, a, right. a, a Jewish person. Uh, her name's Ju- Julia. Uh, I like to spell her name J E W though. Yeah, it confuses people. I feel like everywhere I go, I'm like, yeah, I'm just correcting it. Yeah. Her name's Julia. Yeah. Well, um, and you're and you and that. she's amazing. She's great. Um, so you're, you're doing this. Yeah. What else is going on in your life right now? So um, missions. You're, yeah. you just finished your master's babysitting your kids. Yeah. <laughs> I love your children. Thank you. Um, yeah, we, I finished my master's in April. Yep. We launched Apostello just this past year. Okay. Um, we're still running yielded. So we've got a base in Venezuela. We've got a base in Brazil. We're doing our mission schools. Um, I'm working on my second book. Yep. We traveling, speaking, having Bible studies here, trying to be more like plugged in locally and see what the Lord's doing here specifically. You're also yeah. right now you've been yeah. running a, a youth young adults meeting <laughs> yeah, here yeah. at our iris yeah, office right yeah. uh on friday nights sunday nights. sunday nights gosh we're gonna have to reorganize the schedule but we'll talk about all that later yeah <laughs> and what are you seeing the lord do yeah 
Well, I mean, I, so I went and visited Asbury, right? Let me. Yeah, we both I don't did. Know we went together. Yeah, we both did. With Dylan right. and Jew and all these people my came. kids. Your kids came. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I went. I went twice, and the thing that I saw that really challenged me is it was so unproduced and authentic, mm-hmm. and it was just pretty much Gen Z led, um, which you go in and it's a bunch of young people. Which honestly, I'm probably. I don't mean this critically, but like there were many times like the song was off tune. The lyrics were sung wrong. Yeah. Like awkward moments where yeah. it's like what's actually happening. And it really was so contradictory to so much of what I've been taught in ministry mm-hmm. of like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta hit the vibe. You know, there's a sound right. and like, there's this moment and how you transition is going to depend like if Holy Spirit shows up yeah. or not. Like, and we're taught these things in ministry and I love like, we need to be aware of what Holy Spirit's doing. I love that kind of stuff, but it blew out this whole idea that yeah. you need to be trained even in how to lead revival. Um, These kids were just worshiping. That's all that was happening. Would you call it revival or would you call it outpouring or would you call it a movement? Cause I think it's important. And there's like a lot of people that are criticizing. Yeah. I call it outpouring, but, but predominantly I call it outpouring because that's what they called it. Mm -hmm. So like the very first time I was there, they got up for the first time. You were there day three, four, three or four. And And then we went at the end. And then we went at the end, the very last day as well. Yeah. People got up and they were just like, Hey, welcome to the Asbury outpouring. And I was like, great word for it. Um, I think, ah, I love this topic and we would talk way too long on it. No, Um, we're good. We're at 44 minutes. Um, we, I think we're, we need to be careful about having human definitions of what revival is. Okay. So one of the things that I've struggled with is people like, so I had a video that went viral, right? It goes 4.85 million views. People are commenting like crazy. I think it's got like thousands and thousands and thousands of comments. I don't read most of them. But a lot of them were very much like, this is revival because, or this is not revival because. Mm-hmm. So it was everyone's opinions on what marks it. Mostly people who didn't even go, which I just find shocking. Yeah. Um, so we are saying revival can only be if it fits my definition. What's, okay. So what's your, let's just define yeah. it really quick. Well, that's my thing is I'm like, I don't have a clear definition. I think there should be certain components. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jesus should be glorified. I think if we look at acts, like, and that's the other thing, like revival's not in the Bible, right? So you can't turn the word. But there are revivals. There are revivals. The, and he does say revive us. Yeah, right. okay. But you cannot go to a verse and go, well, right. Paul says it is revival if 3,000 people get saved. So I used to teach a class on this actually in Brazil. And day one, I would always ask him the question, what is a revival? You'd get all these different answers. Yeah. Most of them stemmed around salvation. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I think we, we like believe that it reviving is to turn back to the Lord to, you know, be saved, be revived. So then I would ask the question, okay, like, so is it revival when you get revived? Because now you're revived. Mm-hmm. Is it revival when a hundred people get revived? I was part of a 20,000 person church. So a hundred people getting revived was a normal service. Right. Like, is it, is it when 10,000, 20,000? Is it when culture? Is it like, what is it? I don't think we have a way to say, like, for me, I go in with open hands and I'm like, if the Lord's moving, Jesus is being glorified. People are repenting of their sins. Mm -hmm. I, I believe healing miracles, right? Signs, wonders, things like that are usually a component of it. Mm -hmm. If those things are happening, then I would say like, yeah, it's revival, but I'll let you know in 10 years when I see the fruit of these lives. So my issue with Asbury is this, like, I have no problem calling it a revival but I really want to see what happens in the coming weeks, months, and years in the people's lives that were there. At the same time, 
you tell me when you've seen 15,000 people show up in Wilmore, Kentucky, hungry yeah. for the presence of God. Yeah. Um, so I'm a huge proponent of, tell me what you think. Of I want to hear moves of God. Yeah. Right. You've seen a lot of them more than no, I have. I, I actually, I wouldn't say that I've seen a lot of amazing services. I've seen a lot of powerful outpourings. I would say I've seen revival maybe three, four times. You were talking with Steph. I was here yep. last week oh, yeah, about the one that. in her church. Yep. So I would call that a, I would call that a revival. Why? Um, it was sovereign. Okay. So I, I, I've said this for years, right? Uh, I've never seen revival fall in a revival service. Right. You told okay? me that. Yeah, I've yeah. said this for years. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's something that really shook me when I was doing the revival scene Yeah. and I was getting invited in to do revival meetings. Right. I never saw what I was hungry for and what my perspective, this is just my own personal right. definition of what revival was. Like I never saw that. And my definition came from the, the word it came right. from um traveling with with randy who right. like i was I, you I would ran say one with of like the, the revival the greatest revival right. outpourings sure. and it and it wasn't staged it wasn't planned right and it came in randy's brokenness like it came in his fear and i yeah. you know like i god are you gonna move i'm scared you're not he shows up gets a word the night before uh shows up and then it just begins and yeah. it doesn't stop for years, right. it doesn't stop. And you read about right. that, Jonathan Edwards. You, you just read about the Welch revival. Right. You Azusa read about Street. these, yeah, yeah, Azusa. You read about this stuff. And and like we had, we went to, were you at Azusa now? I think you were. Yeah. yeah. I went to Azusa now. I, I, I hate to admit this, but like I wasn't expecting any crazy right. outpouring. A lot of people were. For sure. Um, I think we've created a revivalism culture. Yeah. Because we like that word. Right. But um, real revival, I look at revival as death come into life, right? If somebody yeah. has a heart attack, pff, you give them the thing, they're, they are revived, right? right? They're brought back to life. Um, and I think that, that can come in a lot of forms, right? The church, it can come outside of the church, but I, but I, I would agree with you. There has to be uh, uh, repentance. There has to be um, salvations. There has to be um, uh, lives changed and lasting fruit, right. which I see in Toronto. I see it in Brownsville. I see it in, in a lot of the historical revivals. All that being said, um, I've traveled the world and yeah. I've seen a lot of great meetings. Yeah. When I went to Asbury, I think what really broke my heart, and I hate to say this, is like I listened to a lot of the criticisms and these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. They might hate everything I preach and say and do, but they still are my brother and sister in Christ. Like I saw this bitterness, this anger, this fear, and a lot of the criticisms. Yeah. And I didn't go. I went because my kids wanted to go. And I'm going to pause right there. Like my kids have never asked to go to uh, yeah. an outpouring meeting. Yeah. Okay. They don't have Instagram. Right. Right. So they're not like seeing this stuff. They're hearing about right. it through friends and you maybe. And they're like, I want to go. Like, I'm just going to tell you right there as a father who all he wants is his kids to walk with the Lord. That's amazing. Right. Like, that's incredible. Right. They go up. They didn't have some crazy experience. They didn't cry. They didn't weep. But they, they were hungry to go and be a part of what God was doing. Was doing. Right. When I went in there, all I saw was 
people worshiping the king for an extended period of time. Yeah. It was not hype. It, there was no leader uh, that yeah. you could see. It was just hunger. And we spend so much, the church spends so much time, even the critics of, of, of the Asbury Revival, they spend so much time like harping on the youth are like going astray. And yeah. they spend so much time. And then like you see this genuine heart cry to worship and serve and be in his presence. I heard the word repent 20 times right. in an hour. And from young people. Yes. <laughs> I heard I heard testimony after testimony. And I just went for I mean, went for like three or four hours. Right. It it scares me when people are criticizing it and, and just arguing over a word, revival. Yeah. Then they are celebrating what God's doing. I, I was I was just praying this morning. I was like, unless we become like the children, like the kingdom. Yeah. We we can get to be so critical. And we need to be childlike, and we need to we need to approach the kingdom like a child. And and I I know that if I put any any kiddo in there, yeah, and would have said, hey, what do you think? They would have said, God's doing something. They wouldn't have been like, oh, well, this. And I heard that this one person has a they're struggling with sin. And if it's a revival, then right. they wouldn't be struggling anymore. Like, right. I just think we've become so critical. I can understand why people have issues with Toronto. Sure. I can understand. Like, sure. I can. Yeah. I get it. I can understand why people have issues with uh, the loud. Yeah. But when you go into a humble right. uh, Christian university and see worship, just, worship, pure just worship. worship, the right. word, people testifying, like, you, you have to shut down something pretty special in your heart yeah. that allows you to just point your finger yeah. and judge it. I think like this is one I just did an interview for a radio show in Europe that was asking questions about it. And he kind of asked me the question. He was like, would you say it's emotionalism? What? And um, like for me, that's become, you want to talk about something that's irritated me lately. Let's go. We're fine. That's we're fine. Listen, okay. we can go three hours. I know we're not okay. going to, but like okay. if people don't want to listen to it, they don't have to. This has been a super sensitive topic for me lately because being at Asbury, seeing the young people. And to be honest, just like what you're saying, there weren't crazy manifestations. Like Toronto was crazy, right? Like there were manifestations. There were all of these kind of things. I, I love it. We live in that. No big deal. But Asbury didn't have that for the most part, right? Like it was honestly just pure hungry worship. Mm -hmm. And there were criticisms from both sides. Like one was, um, criticizing that there wasn't enough happening. Like yeah. I had heard many people say personally to me and just online saying things like, it's just a worship service. And I'm like, it's a worship service that has gone on for two weeks with a bunch of 20 year olds that aren't checking their phones. Like I said, one of the biggest miracles I saw at Asbury was the first night I was there, there were 40 kids on the stage and nobody checked their phone for yeah. six hours. Like that's a miracle. Yeah. Um, that's God. <laughs> like, come on, you have a 15 year old daughter. Like, she did not check her phone and just worship for six hours, not caring. Like that's a miracle. That's a, that's a move of God. Um, I think like there were criticism that it wasn't charismatic enough. And then you have the criticism of like, there's not repentance that like people aren't doing this or that the word of God's not being preached, which all of those things were happening. And so I'm asked this question of like, is it emotionalism? And I think like you just said something that really hit me of like, you have to shut something off in your heart 
to look at young people in a generation that you call lost Mm -hmm. and a generation that you call all of these negative things. And now they're worshiping and you still find something to be critical about. I typically say that criticism is mass jealousy. Like people are jealous. So we criticize that, that we wish was happening for us, but it's not. Second, I think I want to turn to so many of these adults. And this was the question I asked the guy interviewing me. Like, I don't ask myself the question, is this emotionalism? I ask myself the question, why are you not emotional? Like if Jesus is real, if the gospel is true, which obviously we believe it is, why would I not be emotional when I enter into worship Hmm. of who he is? And this was pure worship. Like this wasn't the about me worship. Like this was worshiping the king, vertical focused like, how could you not be emotional? Like, of course they're going down and they're weeping and breaking over their sin. Like, they're meeting a very real Jesus. Of course, like, I posted a video where people were dancing. Like, of course you're dancing. Like, he's real. Yeah. I I am not concerned about those that show emotion in church. I'm concerned about those who don't. Right. That's the bigger issue. And so I think... Like so many people are looking at this and they're like, is it emotionalism? And I'm like, they're emotional. Is that what you're asking? Yes. Why are you not? That's a bigger issue for me. So I think the argument, right? Let me right. try to play. Uh, yeah, no, go for their, it. Their argument the is. On the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Their argument is. God, their argument's so dumb. It's hard to explain it. The argument is like, right, we need to be grounded right. in this it's right not, it's not god and is this is yeah and yeah. you're and you're being led by your right. emotions which can you know bring you into faulty territory right. and uh, i don't i don't even know like it's yeah. it's hard to it's hard to make the argument yeah i hear the argument i just think it's foolish like jesus wept jesus showed joy mm-hmm. jesus showed like there's it's very clear in scripture that the lord is emotional mm-hmm. Can I, in my emotion, get into the flesh sometimes? 100%. Like, we've all seen it. Yeah. But again, this is a little vulgar, maybe. But, like, the question I ask is, would you rather than be emotional in church, finding him, pursuing him, and being overwhelmed by who he is, and maybe even somewhat getting into the flesh at times, or would you rather your 15-year-old daughter, who I love and adore, go to a bedroom with another man and be emotional there? Where would you rather be emotional? Why'd you get to use my daughter as the example? Because I love Gosh, your, because I, I fight because I love your daughter. Um, the reality is, we're all emotional. We're gonna be emotional. So, do I want them to be emotional in the bar? Do I want them to be emotional in a bedroom? Do I want them to be emotional, or would I rather them come into church and be emotional there? And why in the world would I criticize a child on a Friday night? worshiping and being emotional going what i would rather you be doing what yeah it's, it, it doesn't make sense to right. me. right i think i think i i hear what you're saying but right i think the argument is is emotions got is emotion is being emotional part of our, our faith i think a lot of these guys would say no what do you it's think? not 100 percent. stop like it's it's that's that's silly right it's silly we're supposed to be grounded of course right. we're supposed to have wisdom of course right we're supposed to be wise uh and gentle right right but you're you're Paul says, do not neglect your first love in, in, in Romans. He's bringing a word of correction, right? Right. And, and I, I listened to it. I listened to... Um, Jesus rebuked the church. I, I have this against you. I listen to Wretched Radio, which yeah. I love. Right. And I've... 
Yeah, you're really great. I, love, at I really listen to yeah. like all of them. And like yeah. I, because I, I think they have pieces, right? Yeah. And even though we might disagree, I still want to listen and I want to hear and I want to be challenged. Right. But I listened to it. And, and one of the examples that was given was one of marriage, right? And it was like, it was like, listen, I, when I met my wife, I, it was roses right. and I'll go anywhere. And I wept. And when I saw her in the in, walk down the aisle, you know, I wept. But when I saw her this morning, walk down the hallway, you know, right. after 40 years or whatever, uh, you know, I don't, I didn't weep. Right. Right. It, it's because my love has matured and grown into a certain uh, place where it's a different love. It's a deeper love. And yeah. I just go, Paul said, do not neglect your first love, right? Yeah. And so I think that you, you can have your cake and eat it too. Like right. you you can have those moments on the aisle. But I'm telling I don't want to lose That's the place my in point. my life where I don't see my wife walking down and think, uh, at the hallway and be like, right. oh my God, like yeah. this is this yeah. is what I have. Yeah. Like, this is what you gave me, God. Like, I want to be overwhelmed. Yeah. And I don't want to lose that. I right. don't want to lose that. And I want to grow in 100%. the depths and the foundations. And I think it's dangerous when 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 we make it all cerebral and, and we become to this place we come to this place of maturity right. and we shut down emotions. First of all, God gave you emotions. Right. Like don't don't sit there and and be like, well, we shouldn't have emotions. We need to be like somber uh, all the time. No, like God gave you emotions. Right. You were created in his image. God has emotions. Everybody loves preaching about the wrath of God. Right, right. They, 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 a lot of those guys will preach about wrath. Like that's very emotional. Right, right. Like that's a that's a guttural. Like yeah, I am upset. Right, right? and I'm pouring out judgment. Like right. that is an emotion. They cling to the negative ones, and then they 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 put aside and they talk down to ones who are weeping in his presence or are laughing overwhelmed with joy. Right. See, in Iris, joy, yeah. we have a saying, joy is not an option, right? right? Like the joy of the Lord is our strength. Right. And and joy, that's not, I got the joy, 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 down in my, where's that joy? Down in my heart. Like, can you see it? Down, nope, it's down, down, down in down, my heart. Down, like, yeah. like, what the heck? Yeah. Like, no, yeah. we need to be, yeah. it, we, we need to be expressive. Yeah. And, and the Lord moves us and he moves our hearts. And I don't want to lose that first love. I don't want to lose right. that moment where I first met him. Yeah. I'm not living in the same place, yeah. but I want to have that zeal and that passion. Yeah. Um, and, and listen, I love, I love the analogy of the, the, the marriage. Um, yeah. But that's not how I want my marriage to be. Right. I want the depth and the ride or die and to thick and thin and I want to mature, but I also want to sweep her off her yeah, feet. For sure. And I think I think when we look at something and judge it by its emotion, what basically what you're saying is that's not happening in me, which is an emotion. Right. So I'm gonna judge you because I'm walking in a level of maturity. Yeah. And I'm not having that. It's a defense mechanism. It's self-centeredness and yeah. self-righteous. Yeah. It's looking at yourself as the Geiger counter. Yeah. And I would say the same to the church, to right. the to, to people sides. that are like, I'm feeling him. And this yeah. is, you know, this is this is how I know he's real. No, right. you need a depth where, yeah. where the foundation of the word. Bill Johnson, it, one of the most grounded men, right? I, man, I, would I just say, feel like I went off there. No, for I loved it. I, in the inside, I'm like, sorry, I'm you're saying about no, Bill. I love it. No, Bill, Bill is probably one of the most grounded men, right? Like we both have a deep respect mm -hmm. for him. Um, I've never seen him like lose it and run around the room or shake and cry. And so like, and yeah, I've seen I him weep. I've seen him cry in worship. For sure, for sure. So many times, like and people who knew him early days yep. have seen him mm -hmm. in different ways. 
but I still look at him and go like intimacy with the Lord, like mm-hmm. deep, rich relationship with who he is. Um, I don't think either one can be the clear judgment of how someone's encountering the Lord. No. When I was 20 years old, and this is what has deep, like I've never forgotten it, deeply impacted me. Uh, there was a man who had been in ministry for 60 years and he was just sharing the gospel and he just gets tears. He wasn't uncontrollably weeping. He wasn't, but he just tears streaming down his face. And I'll never forget. He said, I pray that I never get to a point where the gospel doesn't impact my heart. Yeah. And he'd been in ministry for 60 years. And I just remember at 20 years old going, that is going to be a standard for me. Mm -hmm. Like no matter how many years I preach, no matter how much I mature or grow in these things, like let me, let me continue to, to be stirred and moved by who Jesus is, the reality of the gospel, that I was a sinner saved by grace. Like, that is the truth. Um, I don't need Jesus less today just because I've been walking with him for 18 years now. Like, I still need him, and that still moves my heart. Yeah. Like, and it should. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think we need to be careful yeah. about what we call revival for sure but honestly like who cares that's, that 20 year old that who 20 year old cares? yeah whose life is being changed they want to yeah. call it revival yeah they were dead now they're alive yeah they're revived yeah we don't have to categorize everything we can just say god's moving and, and who be cares? happy about it yeah just be happy like there's a bunch of teenagers right. that would rather be in church than in a bar yeah. Like there's a bunch of 20 year olds that would rather worship for days than do anything else. I'm stoked. We can and I don't care like, what you call it. We can become like the Pharisees really quick. It's ridiculous. And uh, Jesus, Jesus, I, I don't know. He said, let, let the children come to me. Let the yeah. little ones, let the innocent. I want to stay in that place of innocence. Yeah. Even if I can look and point at a few things that I have concerns about, I'm nitpicking. Yeah. I'm just nitpicking. And and the concerns that I've heard, at least from some of the some of the things that I heard, were around the word revival. Okay, just call it whatever. Then, yeah, call it extended church. Right. When have you seen three hundred hours of prayer go on in your church? Yeah. Nonstop. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. You know, or or once you start to nitpick people's individual sins or things that they're struggling with, and be like, if it's God, then they would be doing this. Like. I would just say, take the plank, uh, you know, yeah. be careful, be careful not to, yeah, not to have that thing sticking out of your own eye. Yeah. There's so many times when I have, I've repented and then gone back, or there's so many times when I've heard the gospel preach, I've poured out my heart to the Lord and then struggled with sin the next day or right. it, I think we just need to be careful and, uh, yeah, we need to be careful. Yeah, I love I, I love what God did in, in Asbury. Fun fact. Yeah, I did drugs in Asbury. Wow. Not on this trip. Uh, fifteen. My sister went there. Uh, I think I remember you saying that. My sister went there. Yeah. Um, I was fifteen. I think it was fifteen or sixteen. I went out to go visit her, and I, I remember sixteen years old cruising around trying to trying to score drugs uh, around where I'm Wilmore, Kentucky, and I remember having to like run away and hide in the bushes to smoke. You know, fast forward, I don't know how many, what is that, uh, 30? 30 years, taking your kids. No, 25 years, 25 uh, years, taking like. 35, 40 years. I was 15, 25 I, years. I was yeah, messing yeah, with I'm you by age. I'm so, <laughs> you know, fast forward, going going and bringing my own children there. Yeah. And seeing my own kids at the exact same age, hungry to be with the Lord. It's a real moment. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah. I, I just. The yeah. dean of students there actually 
it was my university pastor. So yeah. this like the full circle moment for me was also like I got totally rocked as a teenager, go to university, we see God move. He ran the Wesley Foundation there mm-hmm. and I attended and we just saw God do things that marked me. They they took me on my first mission trip ever. And then I ended up doing that with my life. Found the greatest friends that are still some of my friends, um, seeing signs, miracles, and wonders. Mm-hmm. And um, my friends raised somebody from the dead on one of those trips. Like, so we just. Well, you can't just say that. Why? Give me something more in the. Well, I wasn't on the trip. Yeah, okay. They, Give me the quick story. So it, it wrecked me Super quick. for my life. Yeah, I was a freshman and they went to Malawi and went to Africa. I wasn't grown up in any of this stuff. So like it was totally new to me. And yeah, apparently their bus hit somebody <laughs> and killed him. And the driver started to drive away and because he was afraid of facing the consequences and they convinced the driver to stop. They go and they pray for the guy. He gets raised from the dead. He gives his life to the Lord. The bus driver gives his life to the Lord and they baptize both of them in the ocean. Crazy. And came back telling these kind of stories. Wow. And uh, the guy who is the dean of students and campus life or something like that at Asbury was our university pastor at that time. So I haven't spoken with him in years. He, he went to Asbury um, while I was still in university. And then he ends up being there when I go back. And it was just this surreal moment, I think for both of us of like, wow, you poured into me 15 years ago. And like who I am today is so much of what I experienced mm. during those years at, at wow. college, like first mission trip, preaching there, like all sorts of stuff. So yeah, it was, it was pretty surreal for me as well. Come pretty on. crazy. Full circle. Listen, we've gone super long. Yeah, we have. No, no, no. Stay right here. Okay, uh, just if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to follow follow what you're doing. Call Will. Don't call but me. Give him all of the feedback. And if I said anything theologically wrong, it's because Iris, Iris taught it to me. Stop. Yeah. People want to get in touch with you. How do they do it? Uh, Instagram. Yeah. Just get on Instagram. I think all the stuff's on there. So website, yieldedministries.com. Yielded Ministries, okay. Yeah, you can do that. We, all the stuff's on there. Awesome. So um, Don't call me and correct my theology. I get enough of that. You do, but. That's what you've you You've been do. studying. I have been. And I've been studing. Yeah. We've been studying together. It's been amazing. Yeah. Um, you finished. I'm just beginning. But yeah. They could probably blame Randy for both of our You going to get your doctorate? I really want it. You do? Yeah. Why? I really want it. Uh, long-term plan. I would love to teach in a seminary one day. Yeah, I would just love it. Well, you're much better than I am. And, uh, no, that's no not like true. legit, legit. That's not true. I, I get really intimidated when I read your stuff. That's not true at all. And, uh, yeah. Why don't you go get your doctorate Yeah, and then teach at a seminary and then, uh, just give me the old, it's, uh, a honorary. It's hard. Like getting a doctorate's hard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, are we? Are, are you, tell me. Thanks for hanging out, Jess. I love it. Love you. Anytime. Bless you, girl. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs>